The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, everyone, to the Writer's Block Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5. I am your host, Brandon Laurie, and alongside me, I do have the four horsemen back in action. I do have Brandon Clements, David Howman, and Chris Halling. Uh, you know, after a tough loss in Arizona, uh, when, when we bounce back, when Chris is healthy, we all bounce back, and that does include the Dallas Cowboys, handing Bill Belichick the biggest loss of his head coaching career, winning 38-3 to at home for the Cowboys to right the ship, get him back to 3-1. and um, I, I know every week we do our blogging the boys writer predictions and everybody on the site that had it in the article picked the Cowboys to win, except one person here who actually curates the article, uh, puts it all together. That is David Howman. Uh, you picked them to lose, but in your defense, you did say you hoped you were wrong. Uh, why do you think you were wrong? Like what did the Cowboys did well, uh, do really well? What's your biggest takeaway? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, I, I deserve some credit for the reverse psychology there, there you of go. picking them to lose and then end up being wrong. So I took one for the team with that and happy to do it. Um, I mean, this was really, you know, after the Cardinals game, this was everything that we needed to see from the Cowboys because, you know, everybody was kind of asking what happened against the Cardinals. I A bunch of my friends that are not Cowboys fans. They came up to me all week and was like, Hey, like what happened? Like I didn't watch the game, but I don't understand how you lost. And, and it, all I could say was, yeah, they didn't take the team seriously because we know what they're capable of when they play locked in. And, you know, they, they played against two bad teams and the jets and the giants and they absolutely destroyed them. And then even this week, I mean, against the Patriots, the Patriots, they, they may only have one win, but they were a pretty good team. And then they come out, the Cowboys do, and just absolutely take them apart. And so that was really encouraging to see. Um, you know, we, we all know about how the Cowboys respond to losses under Mike McCarthy. They tend to do a really good job. Um, obviously, you would you want them to just stay locked in every week and not have to have the loss to get to that point. But it is nice to see that they are able to bounce back. They are able to get their mind right and and just deliver on that again with this this win. Chris, for you, you weren't here last week. So was anything that you had as like a negative takeaway turn into a positive for the Cowboys this week? Uh, definitely their run defense. They held uh, the Patriots to under three yards of carry. And I think that that's a big deal, especially because, you know, with that uh, 
with that uh, dual-headed monster that they have in the backfield with uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. There's a lot of talk about Ezekiel Elliott having his revenge game and, you know, really putting the Cowboys in their place and, you know, kind of making them feel bad for letting him go this offseason. But, you know, nothing really, you know, happened in, on that standpoint. And I think uh, – I don't know. I was really impressed with how the run defense responded and um, overall how Dan Quinn's unit just played as a whole. Brandon, what about you? Yeah, it was, I mean, again, it was special teams and it was defense. The offense did what they needed to do, which we'll, you know, we'll get to our list here shortly, but I feel like a lot of us are going to be talking a lot of defense and a lot of special teams. It was a great defeat. You mentioned it. Bill Belichick was handing his worst loss of his career, 35 points. And to all my uh, my friends up here in New York, they're all big Bills fans, and they face them twice a year, and y'all couldn't have done it after all these years. Dallas has to do it. We play, we play them, what, a couple times a decade? And and look what we did. It's it, it, To me, it's it's it, it's a, it was a good performance. Don't let the score fool you. We're – there's still plenty of work to do, but I'm very optimistic of where the team is right now. I felt like it was the it was the game that was needed, and I felt like the Arizona Cardinal loss was something that was much. It was a very much a wake up call, and I feel like it was a call to action to to you know get things tuned up, fixed, and you know through. Obviously, it's only one game afterwards, but Mike McCarthy after a loss is usually pretty good. So. I'm feeling really good this week. I mean, it's a 35-point uh, victory in the NFL, so it's I'm very pleased. Yeah, I agree with everything in what you guys said. I think the biggest summary to me was what Dan Quinn said today in his press conference where he was asked and, and he quoted saying, that was us, that was who we are. I think they weren't super reactionary in their loss to the Cardinals. I think it just, again, teams are very competitive in the NFL no matter if you're number one or number 32. Even the Bears, look at them and how they responded uh, this week. So I just think every team, and even too, look at the Cardinals and how they kind of handled business against San Francisco. Nobody thought that they would be keeping it close uh, the way that they did into the second half, but they did. They kept it into a one-two score game, but then San Francisco ran away with it. But I think the Cardinals are a very competitive team. The Cowboys might have overlooked them, and it's just that happens in a given week. But I liked how the Cowboys didn't react too much and where all of a sudden just they started changing drastically uh, what they were doing. They stuck to the script. Um, I wanted to shout out, Brandon, you mentioned special teams, I think, is something that we, we've we hit on a few times here with Brandon Aubrey, but I also want to talk about Brian Anger um, when it comes to the punting game, flipping field position. Um, he's averaging about 51.5 yards, uh, which is about sixth in the NFL, net of 46.4, which is fifth. So, again, Brandon, uh, Brian Anger is you know a stud when it comes to punting the ball, and, of course, Brandon Aubrey. Another perfect game for him. He continues to ascend uh, in the NFL kicker conversation, and I saw he's second, tied for uh, I'm sorry, tied for first right now in total points in the NFL. Right behind him at third is Brett Maher. So clearly, the Cowboys we've worried, we've worried about kicker two years in a row now um, for no reason whatsoever. They find these guys and they make it work. Um, but you mentioned, uh, Brandon, we're going to get into the conversation about highlighting all these guys as much as possible. We're going to do our top five power rankings again, uh, see where we end up. I think that the list, again, when a win happens like this, where it's just all sides, all cylinders are clicking, I think you can kind of touch on a few different guys at different positions and it will make sense. So, uh, Chris, I'll turn to you first with number five. And once again, if we highlight a certain player, maybe we'll talk about him and see if they're on the same ranking for ours and at a different place, but who are you going with first at number five? 
Well, not to be anticlimactic, but you kind of highlighted uh, the players. The players a little bit. I cheated a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I just put special teams as my number five. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit cheating because it's two people in my eyes. But, you know, Brandon Aubrey, he went three for three, you know, um, from the field. He's been reliable. I've been I've been uh, wrong about him heading into the season. You know, I was big on the Robbie Gold hype train. But, you know, I mean, if uh, Brandon can continue doing this, then uh, there's no reason to move on from him. Uh, but also Brian Anger, you know, he had a 57-yard punt, which is just massive. And I think he needs some love for his passing, too, that two-point uh, play that he had. And, I mean, I mean, listen, it was a solid pass. He hit uh, Chauncey Golden right in the numbers, and, you know, he ran it into the end zone for the two-point play. So, I don't know. I, I, I think special teams uh, is in my fifth slot. I think that they uh, all had an impact. And, uh, and, you know, I feel like – Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn, they get a lot of love, but you know John Fassel is a stud as well, and uh, he really gets his uh, team team uh, ready to go on Sundays. Well, not only that, but Jalen Tolbert, you know the, yeah. the coverage. I mean yeah, that that, that led to the strip sack that ended up being the the forced fumble scored for a touchdown. So I think that if that tackle isn't made, you know maybe the Patriots get on the twenty, and you're not even having that play. Uh, so I think that's another player to highlight on special teams too. Yeah, and also Chauncey Golston. I mean. Talk about the route running. The guy was wide open. Like he, he, he set up the guy. He made his break. You know, great crisp uh, footwork there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, real fun play. from. What, from who was his top speed? Anybody get that? I wonder what his top speed was. I'm curious. It must arrive with Cavante Sharpen's top speed. Yeah. He was, he was had flying. He was, he was flying. Yeah, was flying, baby. The only, the only concern is that I hate – that we wasted that play on a two point conversion in a game that we really didn't need to. I mean, I know it's fun, but imagine if we pulled that off in like a big moment and like, you know, in like a big game where it was close. But I mean, I guess, you know, it's good to, you know, like um, uh, do those plays when you, um, uh, when it's not that risky to, to uh, fail on them. So I guess it was a good decision. Did anybody else have any like special teams players on their list? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I had. Of course, I, of course, I had to keep the train going with the with the Brandon, obviously, because Brandon's are very clutch. And uh, Brandon Aubrey is actually my number four, so I guess we'll skip over five for me for just a moment. So let's see. He had twelve points of the uh, thirty-eight, so that's a that's a good percentage of uh, of points scored by Brandon Aubrey. Three for three on field goals. Three for three on extra points. And uh, credit to our our our, our colleague uh, Danny Phantom. He put up a great uh, figure where he said. Uh, he, uh, Brandon Aubrey is the only kicker in the NFL currently with more than 10 field goal attempts and zero misses a perfect 100%. So, uh, great. I, I wanted to borrow that from Danny Phantom. I saw that on Twitter, uh, this, uh, this more this afternoon. So that I thought that was really cool. I, I didn't even think about it, but Danny, Danny brought the facts. So I wanted to give, give Danny some love on that. And then, I mean, again, those kicks, I said it last week. I say it every week. They're splitting the sticks. It's not like it's just sneaking in like Brett Maher's a lot of the times. It's splitting the sticks. It's right down the middle. He just looks. He just looks like he's locked in. He's in a zone, and and like we talked about after the Giants game in Week One, like he had that. Like he was rushing. The operation wasn't right on that first kick, and then when they told him to slow it down, the coaches have said, "Just do you, man. Just do your thing. Like you know, just get yourself lined up." And he's done that. And look, look at the rewards. Like. And I know Chris, you know, Chris loved him coming into camp this year, but, you know, it's okay to be wrong once in a while on a Brandon. You should never, you know, you should never doubt a Brandon. They're, uh, never they're, doubt a Brandon again. You can't, man. It's just, you know, especially especially a, a kicker from Notre Dame. I mean, the, the Cowboys have been really good with that, with Dan Bailey in, in, you know, recent memory. So, you know, Brandon Aubrey is just a consistent player, and we're going to need him, you know, throughout the season because, 
you know, there's an area of, of this team that, you know, the red zone situation, which we'll get into, I'm sure, where we're going to need points. And points are at a premium, and it's good to have a kicker that doesn't, doesn't miss at this point. Well, I did not have a special teams player on my list. It was a really close call, and a lot of these guys played great. But, you know, when you win this big, there's going to be some tough choices picking the five best. Um, for me, at number five, I had my guy, Demarcus Lawrence, I thought he had just had another one of those games where he was just everywhere all over the field, you know, making plays in run defense. He was making plays, getting pressure. He almost had a sack at one point, kind of like uh, kind of um, hit Mac Jones. The ankle wasn't able to bring him down, but I mean, he's, he's just been having a great year. I feel like every single game he has popped in one way or another and he's just been very, very consistent and, um, you know, he, he deserves all the praise and could probably be on in this top five list every week. And, and this week he made it for me at number five. He was right outside my top five. I had him at six. Uh, the person that I had slightly above him only because there was a, a more significant impact play was I had Dante Fowler at number five. To me, he looked phenomenal. I think, you know, the third overall talent when he was drafted uh, in his draft class is still there. It's still prevalent. Um, he's just an assassin. You know, he comes in, he's a hired gun, uh, for, for the Cowboys. I thought he was one of the more impactful free agent re-signings that the Cowboys had and something that they needed to get done. Cause again, you don't know what you're going to get in Sam Williams year two. He's been great. Don't get me wrong, but I think with Dante Fowler, there's still that professionalism there. Uh, he had a 90.9 defense grade, according to PFF, uh, his highest since week two of last season. So, so I just think that he's a gamer when it comes time for moments like this. And I think going against the Patriots, the stage is a little bit brighter. You have a little bit more to prove, especially when everybody's on notice after a game like last week. I just thought that he was wrecking shop all day. And again, you know, the Patriots offensive line is certainly not the best in the league, but that's when you have to have your star shine. And I thought uh, Demarcus Lawrence was great. Uh, but I just think Dante Fowler had just a little bit more of an impact, especially with the strip sack that caused the fumble, that LVE score like we talked about at the top. It's incredible to factor in how good our defensive line is because, you know, Dante Fowler is so impactful and he's so dangerous. But you also have Sam Williams, like you said. You have Durance Armstrong. You have all these guys who don't really, you know, jump off of the, uh, off of the line the way that uh, Micah Parsons does and the Marcus Lawrence does. But, you know, all across the defensive line, even on the interior, you know, you have Osa getting pressure. You have Jonathan Hankins defending the run. And we haven't even really seen what we can get out of Mozzie Smith yet. You know, that's still developing. And, you know, it's just it's really a luxury to have such a great defensive line. It really helps the fact that, you know, Trayvon Diggs, they get hurt because because having that pass rush allows, you know, more relief to that secondary. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you guys on this. I mean, you guys make great points. Demarcus Lawrence, hell of a game. Dante Fowler, hell of a game. Obviously, that strip sack, like, they they both balled out. Like, even if the stats maybe don't show, like, the entire picture, he, they both played very well. For me, there was another person on the other side of the ball whose first name starts with a D uh, that I put at number five this week. And, yes, it is Dak Prescott. And here's the reason why. Dak Prescott did not throw for four touchdowns, and people are probably like, why? Why are you putting him on here if he's only got one touchdown? He completed 82% of his passes against a Bill Belichick coach defense. Like he, he, everything that he did on Sunday was absolutely fantastic. When you're completing 82% of your passes, it's, it's not like four for five. It's literally 28 of 34 against the Patriots defense who 
Bill Belichick always has them ready. He's always got something ready up his sleeve. Like, that is a hell of a performance. And, yeah, sure, he didn't put up 300 yards passing, but he, he let the game just come to him. He wasn't he wasn't forcing throws. Like, I, I, I didn't see a pass all game, at least in my eyes, that made me nervous that it was going to get picked off, like, the week prior. I just felt like it was a great bounce-back game for our, you know, for our franchise quarterback. And, he, you know, he, to me, like, the throws that he had, that one throw to CeeDee Lamb in the end zone, like, that if you want to drop it out of the sky in a bucket, like, that's like, that... He hit that perfectly. Like his connection with Michael Gallup, same thing. Obviously, his 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 you know his his connection with Jake Ferguson, who had a monster game, seven catches, seven seven seventy seven yards. Like he was on. Like the the numbers, the numbers to me, like they you know you know if you're a fantasy football fan or a player, it's not those aren't big numbers. Like you're not gonna get like forty points. Like you're gonna get some other from some other quarterbacks. But he did his job, and he did a hell of a job. And he he had the Patriots defense on their toes toes all game long. So for me, I had to put Dak Prescott at five. You know, he's not on a good pace to get the 5K that I thought he would this year. But 261 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, and zero passes that I could see from my eyes, at least from my memory, as well that didn't look and look dangerous to me. So I'm very happy with where Dak Prescott is right now. Now, for the audio audience, you're not going to be able to see this, but raise your hand if you had Dak Prescott higher on the list than number five. Anybody? Oh, me and, me and Howman. Howman, I'll let you go first. Uh, where'd you have him on the list? All right, well, I, I feel like, uh, B1, I feel like you're the Cowboys defensive line a, a week ago jumping off sides here, having him all the way down at five. I had him at number one. Like, wow. I, I can't believe like we're we're spoiling my top pick already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then then save your argument. Save your argument. We'll we'll keep it. Maybe there's yeah. going to be a debate. Uh, had I'll I'll go. I had Dak at four, so not much lower or higher. Um, but I, I give him a little bit of love. To me, the biggest thing that I loved about Dak in this game, not only did I think it was the best game of the season for him so far, um, but it's going against an arguably top defense again in the New England Patriots, similar to how the numbers weren't great against the New York Jets, but he was very decisive with his throws, accurate. Um, I thought, you know, with the Cowboys right now, their third down conversion rate is at 51.6%, which is number one in the NFL. To me, that is a reason for positivity in hoping that the Cowboys fix the red zone issues. Cause McCarthy talked about this a week ago, uh, or at least during the week last week, you know, he mentioned that the third down conversions were a big problem for Cowboys uh, last year on, on offense. And he said, we fixed that during the year. So he has confidence that they can do the same with the red zone. They've done that. They've proven that they can kind of do mid season adjustments and, and swing it in a positive direction. I just, like you said, B1, he was fearless. I thought that um, you can really see now that a lot of the drops, the red zone issues really aren't on him. I think a lot of it has to do with maybe play calling. There was a a read option that I thought Dak could have kept and just walked right into the end zone um, instead of handing it off to Pollard. I think the the miss exchange that happened with Pollard was on Tony rather than um, Dak himself. And then, of course, the drop by Schoonmaker, you know, right outside the red zone. I think that we wouldn't be talking about any of those things if, if a few of them went in Dak's direction. But I just thought he's he was so decisive going against the blitz. I thought he was phenomenal, uh, pretty near perfect in that category. I don't know the exact numbers, but I remember every time that Belichick threw a blitz at him, Dak was almost perfect on that. So, um, Chris, I know you didn't have him on the list, but what did you think of Dak's performance? I think he played really well, but I'm not willing to put him in my top five. You know, Howman, you know, last week 
he was talking about, man, I miss that you weren't on because we would have had a really good discussion about Dak because I was a little critical of him in that Cardinals performance. I didn't think he was the fault of it, but I definitely don't think he helped. And, you know, it, at this point, Hellman, you having him at number one, we may have to bring out the old uh, Stephen A. and uh, Skip Bayless debate here because I think that is blasphemous. But <laughs> besides the point, going into my number four pick, because I didn't have Dak on my list, I have his buddy, Jake Ferguson. I think he played very, very well, like you said earlier, uh, Brandon. And, um, you know, he had the best career game of, you know, the season so far. He had seven receptions for 77 yards. And, you know, he really showed that kind of potential that I was looking for. And that's why I didn't really have a lot of faith in that Schoonmaker pick because I didn't think we needed him because I was that confident in Jake Ferguson. And, you know, I'm glad to see that he is producing on the field the way I expected. Now, I hope he can just ride that momentum and keep that going the rest of the season, which will, um, which is so, um, it, it's uh, still remaining to be seen. But, but yeah, no, I have Ferguson in my number four spot. I can't believe that uh, Dak is number one for you, Hellman, but I'm sure that we'll get to that and we'll have a good discussion about it. All right. Hey, I just want to put it out there. Jake Ferguson, I've been saying it all off season. Tight end one, baby. That's. I've been locked and loaded on that one. So seeing performances like this, he's had a good season so far. I know yeah. the season's still young. We're a quarter of the way through. But every game he's gotten better. Like his first game, two catches. Second game, three catches. You know, third game, five catches. And then this past week, seven catches. And his yardage total has gone up every single week. And it's, to me, he's just, he, he's a weapon in the red zone. And they, they, they need to use him better in the red zone because obviously that's the big issue at this point but jake ferguson you know i i, I like I, I didn't have him on, on my list but but chris I, I i can't argue with it because i love jake ferguson he was the leading receiver on the team uh, you know there was a pass catcher on the team to, uh, this week so like i you know i i can't argue with it he, he did a hell of a job and and dak looks for him Dak targets him a lot. Like in three out of the four games this year, Dak's targeted him at least seven times. Yeah. So like he wants he wants the ball in Jake's hands. He trusts him. It's like his safety valve. It's like you know I'm not and trust me I'm not trying to put this out there because he's not anywhere near close yet. But from a safety valve perspective, you know he reminds me of it. You know like Jason Witten in the beginning beginning years. You're like I'm not saying he's going to be a Jason Witten. You know the greatest tight end of all time or anything like that. But he can still be that safety valve, especially, you know, he's trying to get a few yards just to pick up some solid yards for a first down or in the red zone. He's a good safety valve. And, and, and I think Jake Ferguson, he's going to, the rest of the year is going to be good. So I can't argue with uh, your, your number four pick here. Yeah, I think, I think Ferguson's a really good pick too. He didn't make my list. He was one of those guys that was like just right off the, right on the cusp of making it. Um, but yeah, I mean, seven catches, I mean, seven targets, seven catches, like he, you know, after week one, we were all talking about the drops that he had and, you know, he's going to have to really pick it up. And he has done that every single game since then. And, and in this one, he had a big workload. Um, and then, you know, Chris, as far as, you know, your Stephen A quote, all I got to say back to you is not even having Dak in the top five, stay off the weed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. We're, we're, um, we're giving a lot of airtime to Stephen A. Smith for a guy who hates the Cowboys on this podcast yeah. right now. But, you know, he just brings out so much, you know, he just brings out so much entertaining content. It's hard not to quote him sometimes. But so, Hellman, who do you have at four? And then uh, I think we'll get to, to Brandon's next. If, I forget if you said it already. I know we're bouncing around a few names here. Yeah. So for, for me, at number four, I got Tyler Smith in his second game back playing a left guard. And. You know, I, I was I was kind of debating like, do I really want you know 
Tyler Smith in, in here when there are so many other guys who put up numbers, like actual numbers in the box score. But Tyler Smith is looking great through two games. I mean, he, he has played exactly like he did in the run game last year. Where he's just – he's moving bodies, and, like, nobody stands a chance against him when he's, when he's coming up on you on a run block. But then also he looks so much better, so much more natural in pass protection. Last year he gave up the most pressures on the team, and granted he was playing most of that at left tackle, but he still – he led the team in pressures allowed. So far two games, zero pressures. Like, he, he is just – he looks so much more natural. He, he looks so much more confident in his past sets. And, you know, he, he's just been so much better in these two games. And, and I'm just so happy that he's back. And especially having that interior line with Biotish and Zach Martin back for this game. Like they were just, they were making work in the run game. And it's really fun to see those guys. Yeah, Tyler Smith is he's you're you're spot on. Others, I saw some of the uh, the all twenty two video, and and there's a few a few sequences where he just he just laid the lumber on dudes like like and it was like Matthew Judon, who's one of the better pass rushers in the league. He like once he got a hold of Judon, like Judon was not going anywhere. Like Tyler Smith just was locked in. You know he 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 solidifies the left guard position, and, and obviously in down the line at left tackle, he's just he's so talented. He's I just call him I just call him country strong because he's just a strong dude like he to me he's probably one of the strongest dudes in the league i want to see more of uh, i want to see some more like just mozzie smith versus tyler smith in the weight room i want to see some of that because those two are some those two dudes are some country strong boys and uh you know they're they're laying the lumber so i you know i, I have to agree with you on that one Hellman. yeah and, and, and b on b too you we've already hit my five and four so we'll, we'll skip me but uh my, my third number three will be good Chris, what about you? Uh, what do we got at, at three? At three, I got uh, Michael Gallup at number three. I think, you know, he had his best season, since, I mean, uh, his best game since his uh, torn ACL injury that he had. And he just, he was so good at creating separation, which is my favorite thing about that, because that's been a big, like, knock on his game, I feel like, even throughout his career before the injury. He, was a, he had the second highest rate of separation in the game among Cowboys wide receivers. Devontae Turpin had a 4.7 rate of uh, separation. But, you know, he also had 44 yards after the catch, so he, so, so he showed uh, some, of his, some of his explosiveness. You know, five receptions for 60 yards. He's been a guy who's... I feel like he's been very quiet because he hasn't had those touchdowns and like there's not a lot of media attention on him, but he's definitely solidified like being that second option. I feel like because Brandon Cooks really hasn't stepped onto the scene the way I think Cowboys fans are hoping for him to. I mean, like he's been there for, you know, an occasional catch every now and then. And, you know, he's had some like big third down completions, but he hasn't really shown that vertical threat that we were really hoping he would bring to this offense so far. I'm hoping that that gets developed. And I think we're going to need it next week, you know, in this uh, game against the 49ers. But Michael Gallup has shown that he just really needed a season to recover from that um, injury that he had. And, and I'm glad that he can kind of put that narrative that, you know, he's, he's not the same player, you know, the Cowboys should consider moving on. I'm glad that we can put that aside because if he continues playing the way he has, his contract is actually very favorable in my um, opinion. And I don't think the Cowboys should make any rash decisions of moving on from him. So yeah, I think Michael Gallup was the third best player. Um, I'm not going to get ahead to it, but I think my second highest player will kind of be controversial, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate 
in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I agree. I think Michael Gallup had back to back just great games. I think RJ uh, put this on Twitter, RJ Ochoa, um, or X rather. Uh, he said that it was one of his best stretches of games since 2020. Um, and so I just think he's just gaining a lot of confidence through two weeks. I think Dak is trusting him a lot more in critical situations. You could see he's playing with a lot more confidence. I, I just love his demeanor, how for him, it's not about his personal success. It's about team success. He's like, listen, if I get, you know, the yardage and the catches, you know, in my direction, that's awesome. But if the team's succeeding and I don't really hit the numbers that I want, then that's totally fine too. Like to me, that is just an overall team player that starts with the coaching, uh, just making it all about the team rather than the personal self. Um, and clearly he just always has had a good head on his shoulders and that translates to building up more confidence when you can kind of get a lot of catches in your direction. Um, and again, he's becoming this sort of go-to guy when Dak scrambles um, out of the pocket. And to me, that also is great when you had a guy like Dalton Schultz leave the building. That was sort of Dak's guy where if he was scrambling, he would always find Dalton Schultz. That's going to turn into you know Michael Gallup when CeeDee Lamb and maybe Brandon Cooks get more attention. To me, that's, that's awesome. And maybe that's the security blanket on top of Jake Ferguson too. Yeah, it's been great to see Michael Gallup play and, and, and really looking like – vintage Michael Gallup and to Chris's point, even, even maybe even a little bit better because he's getting better at creating separation. He's moving around a little bit better. Um, and that's, you know, we, we've seen what CD lamb can do both last year. And then this year already, he's had some pretty big games. Now that Michael Gallup starting to come on now, it's like, all right, like let's, let's get Brandon cooks in there, get him a few more touches, get those guys in sync and then figure out that red zone offense. But it's like, you know, the, the pieces are all there. Like, this offense is right on the cusp of they're already good, but they are really close to being dangerous. And Michael Gallup having a really good game is, is a big part of that. Um, two weeks in a row, he's had a really good game. He did miss the cut for me um, just barely another one of those guys. That's, that's why I love the other, these other three is like, we all come up with these players and, and some of us will leave them out, but the other one will, will get him and we all still get a chance to talk about these guys. Yeah, no, Michael Gallup, I agree. Like I, the last two games have been great. 11 catches, 152 yards. I mean, he's, he's averaging like over 13, 14 yards a, a grab right now. Like he's, he's playing some, he's playing his best ball he has in such a, you know, and, you know, pre ACL injury. And the, the best part is he's our number three receiver, if I'm not mistaken. So if you're going to get, if you're going to get that kind of production from your number three, that's pretty good. In addition to your number one tight end, CD Lamb is your number one receiver. And then you sprinkle in Brandon Cook. Like, like I'm not even I'm not even concerned about, about Brandon. I think, you know, you again you gotta trust the Brandon. It's always it's always a smart move. We get that. But you know, for me, like it's it's bound, it's bound to, you know, pop for Brandon Cooks. Like it really is. Like he's he's one of those dudes where he's he's been a productive player his entire NFL career. It's it's gonna happen. I think it's. 
I feel like this week is the the Brandon Cuts game. I just I got this weird feeling with the Niners, the Niners game coming up. We're gonna need Brandon Cooks to really have his best game because the Niners are are to me the toughest team in the NFC, and that and that does include the Eagles. I don't I I'm not a, I'm not scared of the Eagles. Like I don't think these last few games I'm not they don't they don't make me nervous. The Niners to me are the most complete team in the NFC. You know, next to the Cowboys in my opinion. So it's gonna be a good matchup coming up. But Brandon, uh, you know Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb—they're going to be ready to go. But I, I do like Michael Gallup in here. He was close on my list. You know, I, I had you know I kind of had like a top ten, and like obviously we kind of we whittle it down to five. So he was in my top ten, and uh, I'm just impressed with Michael Gallup's game, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he does the rest of the way. Um, so my number three is going to be Leighton Vanderesh. And for obvious reasons, uh, he scored a scoop and score touchdown this past weekend. I mean, and that wasn't just the only thing he did. And that obviously with the scoop and score, he was going to be in my top five instantly. Like that was kind of an obvious thing in my book. So that was a great, he was, you know, he, his hustle, he scooped the ball up after a, a great uh, uh, strip sack by uh, Dante Fowler. That was a great play. He gets in the end zone. And in addition to that, it's not just the scoop and score, but he's got he leads the team in tackles this week. Like he had seven total tackles. He was the he he led the Cowboys defense in tackles. He's he's been consistent. You you'll hear you hear all the guys, you know, you'll hear any 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 of the broadcasters out there are always talking about Leighton Vanderash. He's like the Dan Quinn on the field. He is like the defensive coordinator on the field. Like he you'll see him when he's he'll see if he sees a defensive lineman not in the right gap, he'll give him like a little pat on the like the near the backside and say, No, no, dude, move over here. Like Leighton Vanderash, he he's running the show. Like Dan Quinn had gives him full trust. And you know he's you know he delivers those calls and tells his teammates, all right, I need you here, I need you here. Like he to me, like without Leighton Vanderash, we're in big trouble. I, you know he may he may not be you know he may not be the Micah Parsons that we all love, but he's one of those dudes that he's a glue guy. He's you know he's a coach on the field, and he's just he's just playing he's just playing some some good football, consistent football, and I'm glad I'm glad he's playing and I'm glad he's rewarded with a touchdown this week. Leighton Vanderash, you know, the Cowboys are going to need him to keep playing well, especially with the Niners game coming up. Someone's got to stop McCaffrey, and, and we're going to need Leighton Vanderash to help uh, help get his get get his teammates in the right positions to succeed and to stop that that Niners uh, offense, which is very very talented. Yeah, I love I love the pick for Vanderash. Um, as everyone knows, I've always been his number one fan. Everyone's <laughs> doubted him. Um, so I, I do feel, I do feel like I'm in kind of in the danger zone because I did not have him on my list, but yeah, man, like, like, I feel like a broken record at this point. He was another one of those guys, both him and Damone Clark. I feel like the, both linebackers had great games. Um, both of them were just, they were, they were filling the gaps in, in the run game. They were making plays. Obviously Vanderesh had the scoop and score. Um, for me though, I mean, my number three and, it, you know, it, it might induce some some arguments, some controversy, some mockery. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see where we get. But uh, he very easily could have gone two for me. He very easily could have gone one for me. But it's Deron Bland, who, of course, we all know. You know, pick six had another interception. He had a great game. Um, and and Deron Bland. I mean, last week his first game after moving out to the outside with Trayvon Diggs out. Um, kind of got picked on a little bit. He settled in as the game went on. And then this game, he just he just bounced back, just like the rest of the Cowboys. And, you know, it was funny. They showed that one play where Kendrick Bourne kind of came back to the ball, kind of uh, bobbled it, where Mac Jones threw across his body. 
and he gave up the, the completion on that one. And then just a few plays later, Mac Jones does the same thing, rolls out to his right, chucks it back across the field to the same guy, Kendrick Bourne. And this time, like Bland, he already just quick learner. He, he makes the break. Looked like Trayvon Diggs while he was doing it, too, with the closing speed, the way he just kind of baited the throw, takes it to the house, and, and then did a similar move with, with his second interception. So I, I was really uh, happy with, with the game that he had. And it was a tough one because the two guys I have ahead of him, one of which we already know, um, I feel like just had slightly better games. But it was a heck of a game from Deron Bland. Uh, I I agree with you, and don't feel too bad because Deron Bland is my number three player too. Uh, for all go. for all the reasons that you said, I brought up exactly the same point that you said. You know, the fool me once where Mac Jones scrambles, throws it to Kendrick Bourne, and and Bland's out of position. Kudos to him for recovering, still making the tackle. I think that. He's also a very physical corner when it comes to tackling. He was showing that last year, but also Stephon Gilmore is really good in that area. So I think that that's sort of rubbing off on him as well, being a physical corner. And I don't think that's any coincidence before Trayvon Diggs went down. He was showing a lot more physicality from the corner position. So shout out to Stephon Gilmore in that area. Um, But the fact that he recovered, learned from his mistake, the biggest attribute you can have as a cornerback in the NFL is a quick memory or a quick memory loss. You know, it's just... You want to be able to forget a, a, a bad play when you give up a big catch or whatever. Um, you move on. You live to fight another day, and he did just that. So I thought that was impressive. Um, he has eight interceptions since 2022, the most of any cornerback in the NFL, which, again, is very impressive. Very underrated last year. Not a lot of people, I think, were talking about him heading into the year. Um, but he was the highest-graded defender on the team, according to PFF. And before Monday Night Football, of course, we're recording this Monday night, uh, Bland's PFF co- coverage grade of 91.5 is second among all defensive backs uh, for Week 4. So I think that he he was put in a really tough spot last week, being shifted from the inside to the outside with Trayvon Diggs going down, somebody who he looks up to, I'm sure. Um, so I think it was a really tough spot for him, but he was still a guy that Dan Quinn talked about as a really good player, and then he just capitalized on it uh, this week. So I think that it'll be a great, great game to kind of carry into a must, must uh, win for him on the outside against guys like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk to have that confidence heading into that game, I think is even bigger, and that's why he made my top five. Chris, you got him at two or one? I have him at one, actually. Okay, I got him at two. I got him at two, but I'll let you focus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had him at one. I mean, you know, like, since we're on the topic, he had a great game. I think his pick six kind of really, like, almost put the nail in the coffin. I know it was in the second quarter, but it really made the game kind of feel like it was out of reach for the Patriots at that point. It really just, you know, it really just set them out of it. Um, I think Bland is been so amazing since he uh, joined the NFL and I and you know I hate to kind of you know take the topic off of him but it really just speaks to how good Dan Quinn is because he has all these players just playing so well and having them just you know like um come away with these takeaways being ball hawks like I don't know if people like Bland and Malik Hooker and, and um, all of them are going to get that same production you know you know um, back in those Rod Marinelli days you know the way that they're right now with Dan Quinn so but um, uh, besides the, the Dan Quinn praise, Bland played amazing. He uh, really has stepped up since he uh, was kind of thrown out there to that outside corner. And it's going to be really, really big for the Cowboys because, you know, we can't replace Trayvon Diggs. It's just not possible. I, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I've gone on record numerous times saying that I think he's uh, the best cornerback in the NFL, and I'm going to stick by that. So, you know, I mean, it's a huge piece that, that we lost on this defense. But Bland played tremendous, and, you know, with him and Gilmore and this pass rush, I think that the defense will still be able to be dominant throughout the season. 
By the way, not only just a shout-out to Dan Quinn, but shout-out to a really good player in the last 20 years that, that's our DB coach, our cornerbacks coach, Al Harris. Yeah. Hell of a job what he's doing with those guys. Like, everybody's stepping up. Jordan Lewis is playing well. Stephon Gilmore, I mean, what, what else can you say? But a guy like Deron Bland, who, who was a fifth-round pick last year, doing what he's doing – Obviously, Dan Quinn's the, the defensive coordinator. We get that, but kudos to Al Harris. Like I watch, like I'm watching Al Harris on the sidelines, and he's he's you know he's in there with his guys. Like he's and you know you know Al Harris is known obviously as a Philadelphia Eagle, Green Bay Packer. We we know we know we know the history with Al Harris, but he was a hell of a corner in the league, and he was he was actually a sixth round pick. So he him and Deron Bland know something about being day three picks. So he you know they you know they know like you you really got to show out to make the roster and, and stick. And Al Harris had a darn good career. He played from 1997 to 2011. So he, he had a pretty good career. It's a six-round pick back in 1997. So a guy like Deron Bland, who was a fifth-rounder just last year, like, he, you know, he he was he, – obviously, guys like Deron Bland can, can relate to a guy like Al Harris because of the day three situation and how Al Harris had a, a, long, a long career. So, like, I got to give love to Al Harris. Like, you know, I don't know if he gets enough love. Everybody gives DQ love, which we all know we, we love Dan Quinn. Uh, you know, I'm blogging the boys. We love him. But I got to give Al Harris some love. And, and just to touch on, I want to I want to give a shout-out to, to our guy, RJ Ochoa here, blogging the boys, where he put out a, a tweet where uh, – it was uh, eight, so eight interceptions in, in his first 21 games. The last guy to do it was Trayvon Diggs. Just wanted to put that little factoid out there. So shout out to our boy RJ Ochoa for that one. That was a that was a really good factoid. And for me, Deron Bland, like I mentioned, was my number two. He was fifth on the team in tackles. Obviously, had two picks, a pick six. PFF, you already mentioned it, so you stole some of my thunder on that one, B two. But you know, great minds think alike, obviously. So you know, it's a Brandon thing. We get it. But seven seven interceptions in the last ten games, like that's that's pretty awesome. Like he's had, he so he's he's almost getting a pick, you know, almost every game it feels like. So it's like you know every you know if you play in two games, he's probably going to get a pick in one of those two games. That's how he's been lately. Like he's that good right now, and he can he can play outside, inside, he can do it all. And in the, in the modern NFL, most guys, most elite corners are good at one or the other, and Deron Bland is good at both. Like, to me, I don't care what anybody says. He is a, an elite cornerback. And, you know, obviously we lost Trayvon Diggs, you know, not, not that long ago. But I, just imagine Trayvon Diggs, Deron Bland, and Stephon Gilmore if they were together this entire season. You know, obviously we hope Trayvon gets well and we see him next year. But just having Deron Bland on one side and Gilmore on the other and, and Jordan Lewis in the slot, I'm feeling good. Like, I, I think the secondary is fine. And, and kudos to Dan Quinn and Al Harris for, for putting together a, uh, a good group. Howman, for you, uh, I think we might be in lockstep with this one at number two again. Because if we already know you're number one, you can't leave this guy off your list. Uh, if if you live under a rock, you shouldn't be. But um, to me, it's Micah Parsons. I have him at number two. I don't have him at number one. I think somebody's slightly better than that. Uh, but to me, yes, he didn't record the sack. Uh, he he didn't really have a stat sheet type day. But again, that's that the box score doesn't tell all. Uh, when you look at all the numbers on next-gen stats, he's number one first in almost every category. Uh, to me, when it came to the opening drive for the Patriots, which, again, the Cowboys have, have struggled a little bit on defense when it comes to opposing offenses opening drives, but uh, I don't think that's anything to worry about. I think it's just you're trying to find your footing, figure out how you know the offense is going to play the rest of the game. And don't forget, offenses script their opening drive usually nine times out of ten uh, to prepare for the game you know, to start, So and then they b- bounce off of there. Um, 
But if it wasn't for him putting pressure on Mac Jones, I think it's an easy touchdown to Mike Gesicki in the end zone. But because of him, he disrupted the throw, and I think Mac Jones just floated a little too far. Uh, per next-gen stats, like I mentioned, Parson has generated nine pressures, which is his eighth consecutive game with five-plus pressures, second-longest streak uh, in the next-gen stats era, only to TJ Watt, uh, who in 2020 did it uh, from weeks one to ten. So again, he's going to be catching up on that pretty soon. So um, I think he can potentially break that, and it'll be impressive. Uh, but to me, the most impressive stat from that was that he had a positive rush rate at 75.2%. Uh, it's impressive when it's half of your you know, pressures are going to be positive, but the fact that he's doing it 75% is absolutely unreal. Um, I just think that he was very impactful. And again, it didn't show up a lot in the box score, but that doesn't tell the whole story when it comes to Micah Parsons. And that's why I had him at number two. Yeah. I also had Micah Parsons at number two. Good read on that one, Brandon. <laughs> I had, I had a feeling if you went somewhere different, I, I would have lost all confidence in our connection here, but um, I'm happy yeah, I got it right. I would have been kicked off the show right away. Um, <laughs> and rightfully so. Yes. Micah Parsons was my number two. Um, I mean, he, he's just, he's unreal. He's dominant. And it's crazy because like no one, no one really talked too much about him in this game. And yet, like you mentioned, uh, next gen stats has him at nine pressures. PFF has him with ten pressures. Like either way, like that's yeah. a lot of pressures. That's a lot. I just I just looked and you know we're recording this um, before Monday Night Football, but no other no other player had ten pressures in Week Four. The only other player with nine pressures was Khalil Mack, who had six sacks against yeah. the Raiders. <laughs> like, and everyone was saying like Khalil Mack went supernova, but then like Micah Parsons goes and has nine or ten pressures in a game, and we're all just kind of like. Hey, look at you know Deron Bland. He was good, or you know Leighton Vanderish had the scoop and score, and like they both had great games. But it's just kind of funny how Micah Parsons has this you know sensational amount of, of pass rush success, and we're just kind of like, yeah, you know that's that's just a regular day for him. Um, and I don't like I don't want that to just go unnoticed. So I had to give him a lot of love, and uh, uh, you know he is number two. We know who my number one is. I, I have my reasons for that, but. Um, you know, Micah definitely deserves all the praise. It's crazy because, like, he didn't get the sack, and I think that's ultimately what what kept him from being at that top spot. But that's the first game this year that he hasn't had a sack. You know, he's just – he's been so good the first two years of his career, and this year he's just taken it to a whole other level to the point where it's, you know, four weeks in and he's just now having a game without a sack. And even then, he's still dominating the game. It's It's incredible. We all think alike, uh, I see, because I had Parsons also at number two. I, I mean, he had 27 pass rush snaps and uh, uh, get nine pressures on that. And that I mean, like, that's one third of your pass rush snaps throughout a game you're getting a pressure on. It's just, it's just miraculous. And honestly, it's to the point, too, where it's like, you know, in sports, whenever you're so dominant at your position – people kind of just get like used to it, you know, like they get accustomed to it. You know, it's like if LeBron James has less than 25 points, he has like 20. It's like, Oh, like that's a down game for him, you know? But like, I mean, in reality, that's still a great game for the average player in the NBA. And it's kind of getting to that point, you know, uh, with Micah Parsons, if Mike is not getting like two sacks in a game and he's not like filling up that stat sheet, it kind of makes you like, question like oh like did he really have a great game but if you watch the game he's getting pressure on the quarterback almost every single play and without him getting that pressure a lot of these you know big plays that uh that i'm end up going to other guys like a Duran bland or even you know when he was pressuring uh Mac Jones, he kind of pushed him outside the pocket and he threw a pass right to J. Ron curse and it should have been another interception and um that was all 
Micah Parsons. It's honestly, it's to the point where he's falling behind in the sack race right now, obviously, even though he's still playing incredibly and there's still a lot of football season left, but it's to the point where I just don't know how you could give it to anyone else. Um, how you could give a defensive player of the year to anyone else, even if he isn't leading the league in sacks, because he's at the top of every pass rushing metric and his impact for the Cowboys is so is just so large. And honestly, I think two is the lowest he'll be on uh, our top five rankings throughout the entire seasons. I don't think I'll ever put him um, uh, below two the rest of the year. So it just speaks volumes to how great he is. And he's going to command a huge contract when he's up and he serves every penny of it. Guys, I, I'm, I'm very disappointed in all three of you. <laughs> Micah Parsons is number one, guys. Come on. Like, <laughs> let's be honest here. You, Chris, you literally just said all these wonderful you, – you, they're all – you said it so beautifully. It was – you stole my Thank thunder. You. you were talking so highly of him, and you're like, well, he's number two. No, he's number one. These plays <laughs> don't happen without – you know, so you got Deron Bland, two picks. You get the you get uh, Dante Fowler doing his thing with the Leighton Vander scoop and score. All of these big plays happen because of number 11. If he's not on the field, it's a different defense. I know we have good players all around, but this is not the number one defense in the league if Micah Parsons is not on the field. I don't care about the box score because the box score for me, you know, it doesn't tell the whole story. So when people read the box score, they're like, oh, man, no sacks for Micah. You know, he only had only had two tackles on the day. Did you watch the game? Because Micah Parsons was all over the place. He was lining up everywhere. Like every time he'd line up left side, right side, middle. I, you know, you could you could tell that offensive lineman that saw eleven. You knew they were getting antsy because they were like, "Oh boy, here we go. Here comes Micah. Micah's about to put me in a highlight reel." Like that's that's just how good Micah Parsons is. He's just he's everywhere. Like he, Deron Bland doesn't get those picks. Like like all these turnovers throughout the year. And even the stats, like for example, like any you look at the stat the sack numbers for the Cowboys that are not Micah Parsons, how many of those are because of Micah Parsons? I would I would say the majority of them are because Micah Parsons has you know gets gets the offensive line so, you know everybody wants to you know swarm him. Then you get a guy like Osa, you get you know Tank Lawrence, a Sam Williams, you know Dante Fowler, and you name it. These guys are getting sacks. Because of Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is doing everything. And, and you guys mentioned the next-gen stats first, all the way down. You look at the stat on X first. You know, it's these numbers are so crazy. He's the best defensive player in the league. And there's only one guy on, on, on the defensive side of the ball that I would put even in the same category as him, and that's T.J. Watt. And that's T.J. Watt is, 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 a, is, a, is a close second to me because he gets he gets all the sacks and he keeps the Steelers competitive in my opinion without without TJ Watt the Steelers are not even going to be contending for the playoffs that's how good of a player he is Cleo Mack you know he had six sacks this past week he's you know he's another really talented guy but you know to me in that conversation of, of the the top of the, the the cream of the crop with these pass rushers TJ Watt and Micah Parsons you know, but, but to me, I think Micah Parsons is, is just, he, you know, maybe the stat sheets don't fill up as much as on TJ Watt, but I feel like his impact is even greater. And I mentioned it before where all the big plays that have happened thus far, you know, in the season on defense, it, he's been the catalyst of that. So for me, you know, again, if you can't have, if you can't put him at number one, I don't know, like that's crazy to me. So like, I, I respect y'all obviously, 
but he, he'll be number one on mine, just a spoiler alert, the rest of the year, unless he does something ridiculous. So to me, Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons, and Micah Parsons, number one, baby. Yeah, we were doing the pre-show, and I said, oh, everybody should have you know the same consensus number one. And we're all having different number ones here, uh, which I think is also pretty impressive and how really off the rails we are as a group, and we really need to spend more time <laughs> together uh, virtually. Uh, but to me, when, when I look at, you know, Howman's number one. And we talked about Brandon with your argument, how the number one guy for you, it's, it's a ripple effect, right? It has to start somewhere. A stone has to be thrown into the water for it to ripple across the rest of the ocean, lake, pond, whatever. Uh, to me, number one player on defense is my number one, uh, or number, number two guy in Micah Parsons. The, the best offensive player right now in the Dallas Cowboys without question is Tyler Smith. To me, he is my number one player. Uh, for all the reasons that you said Hellman at the top is exactly why I have him at number one. He, when I look at this matchup, right, with the Patriots, the one thing that scared me the most was their defense. Uh, their offense did really nothing for me. The biggest threat to the Cowboys losing this game was the offensive line versus New England's defensive front. The Cowboys, by all accounts, across all five guys, yeah, they struggled a little bit, you know, in certain instances. But again, you're going against one of the top defenses in the NFL you did not have to worry about Tyler Smith at all. He he locked down every single guy. You mentioned Howman. He allowed, so far, across two starts, zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries, zero pressures. Uh, the guy's just been efficient across the board. Uh, Brandon, you mentioned on Twitter the highlight that he had going against Matthew Judon. Judon was just jumping up like a little kid. like It was like Little League um, or Pee Wee football where it's just Tyler Smith locked him down. He couldn't do anything. And I just think... You have a guy like Tyler Smith who right now, in my opinion, is playing at an all-pro level across two weeks without question. Uh, he came into last year playing left tackle, playing 1,022 snaps at left tackle, 122 at, at left guard. He didn't do that in training camp. You know, you just look at the overall timeline of Tyler Smith. Didn't do that as much in training camp. Played it here and there. But then Ty uh, Tyron Smith goes down, gets thrown into the fire weeks before the, the season starts. And then this year, fine. You want to put him back at left guard? That's great. You have a solid, rock-solid left guard. Well, then he misses the first two weeks because of a hamstring injury. Comes back stronger than ever. Plugged in right, uh, right away against the Cardinals and probably was the best player in that game, too. So... I just look at it. He was the number one graded offensive player in blocking across the entire league for week four, again, pre-Monday Night Football. And so far, he has the second highest offensive blocking grade uh, for the entire year, regardless of position um, in the NFL. And according to Next Gen Stats, Tony Pollard had four carries uh, for 33 yards of his total 47 yards, going right behind Tyler Smith at left guard. So when you're looking at Tony Pollard having success against the Patriots defensive front, that wasn't because of anybody else except for Tyler Smith at left guard. He's just a cerebral player, very smart, very intelligent. And Nate Tice of the Athletics said that his ceiling or floor rather for this year was the Pro Bowl. To me, I think that's just too low. I think it's all pro level uh, for him. He's just been that good uh, across two starts. And yeah, it's only two starts. Very small sample size, but to me, it's been absolutely phenomenal. And we were praising the Cowboys coaching staff and all these guys. To me, again, it's another home run for the Cowboys in the scouting department for another first-round pick along the offensive line. Stop me when you heard it before uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. So it's just an embarrassment of riches right now for them. Oh, 100%. I mean, look at look at the interior alone. Like Tyler Smith, Tyler Biotish, Zach Martin. Like that interior, that's the best in the league in my opinion. Like yep. for my money – like that's the best in the league, and, and you're 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 not off base with it. You know, I, you know, I wouldn't have had Tyler Smith that high, but I respect it. I mean, again, the you know the PFF stats, like 
amongst, I mean, I think it was, he had 93.1, I think is the number from PFF yep. that I saw earlier today. The next guy, I don't think, I don't think, I think he was the only one in the nineties, if I'm not mistaken. Like it was that much of a gap between him and everybody else. Like Tyler Smith and, and you, you, you know, you stole my, you know, stole my little uh, Matthew Judon situation there. Like it wasn't even just him. Like he did it to, uh, I think Dietrich wise as well, who, yeah. who also is a, a bulldog on that defensive line for the Patriots. And he made Dietrich wise look like a, you know, look like a, you know, a high schooler. Like it was, just you know Tyler Smith if he gets his mitts on you it's over and like he to me like I said earlier he's this I think he's one of the strongest dudes in the league and when you have him you know you ha- you have him you have Tyler Biotis, you have and, and Zach Martin right in the middle once you know we have Terrence Steele is obviously one of the best right guard uh, right tackles in the league we know that once Tyron Smith is back what offensive line in the league is better it's just you know it's a it, like you said it is an embarrassment of riches you know, obviously, you can go back the last decade and a half where the Cowboys have drafted and sometimes, quote unquote, reached, according to the draft experts out there, on offensive linemen and have done pretty darn well in that department. So it all starts up front. The offensive line is, it, it, you know, it's, it's in good shape, you know, at least from the starting uh, the, the starting five when we get them all in. But, you know, it, it starts up front, and, and Dak Prescott's got to be happy when he gets all five of those dudes back because that's the best in the league right now. So, Halman, we got to get to your guy. You teased it earlier. You mentioned that he's your number one guy. Talk about why Dak. And, again, the ripple effect, you know, if Tyler Smith has success, that means Dak has success. But for you, you you wanted to supersede Tyler Smith in this scenario and put him at the number one spot. Why? Yeah, you know, Tyler Smith, is like I said, I, I had him at, at number four. He is having a great start to the year. Dak Prescott's having a great start to the year, too. And he took a lot of heat from a lot of people because he threw his first pick of the year last year or last week. And, but it's like everything went wrong in that game. And, and, you know, we, we can, we can talk all we want about the interception, but like you give up 28 points to Josh Dobbs, that's not Dak Prescott's fault. Right. Like he, he was playing a pretty good game, you know, for having three starters down last week. And then he comes out in this one and he gets Zach Martin back. He gets Tyler Biotish back. Still doesn't have his, his left tackle. And by the way, like, you know, all credit to Shuma Idoga. He's been holding it down at both left guard and then moving back to left tackle. Like, credit to him. He's been a serviceable backup. But also, you're, you know, you're down your starting left tackle going against a really good Patriots defense. They have two guys in Matthew Judon and Josh Uche, two edge rushers who coming into the, into week four, they were both tied for eighth in, in uh, among edge rushers for pressures. Like, those are two really good pass rushers. Bill Belichick's a really good defensive mind. And I was just thinking, like, how are they how are they not gonna just absolutely overload Idoga and make Dak's life miserable? He handled it. He was getting the ball out uh real fast. It was like 2.36 seconds per throw. He ends up completing 82% of his passes, 260 yards. Only has the one touchdown, but you know, like we mentioned, he had, you know, there was a drop touchdown for Luke Schoonmaker. There were a few other plays in the red zone where you know, Tony runs right into him, kind of spoils that. There, you know, a few other things with the red zone that, uh, you know, you can't really pin on Dak, but he was slicing up this defense. And specifically, it was a really good defense. I pulled up the numbers, the the passer rating that the Patriots have allowed against quarterbacks the last three weeks. And the average was 81.1. The only QB that even broke 90 was Tua Tungvaloa of the Dolphins, who's uh, one of the like front runners for MVP, he was there at 92.2 passer rating against this defense. Dak went ahead and had 108.3, which 
just like astronomically better than what this defense has been given up against some pretty good quarterbacks. He was absolutely on it. And just to put that into perspective, too, Josh came in late in the game, threw two passes, completed both of them, got 20 yards, didn't really have to do too much. He also had a 108.3 passer rating. And, like, literally a guy comes in and hits, completes both of his passes, like, on the money. And Dak, who threw 34 passes, was just as good by the passer rating metric. And, I mean, he, he was just absolutely on the money, just like he was against the Jets defense, who, by the way, Jets defense, they made Josh Allen look bad, forced him into a bunch of turnovers. They made Patrick Mahomes look bad, forcing him into a bunch of turnovers. Dak didn't have a single turnover against them, didn't do it against the Patriots. And I'm just like, we, we got to give him his due. We got to give him his credit. He is absolutely thriving in this Texas Coast offense. And when you're, I mean, we can talk about Micah Parsons being like one of the most valuable players, but also the quarterback is the most important position. Dak has been on the money all four games. And, and in this one especially, he was really, really just slinging it. So for me, he had to be number one. Howman, you made an intriguing uh, argument. You were able to convince me that uh, Dak belongs on my list, but he belongs at number five still, okay? He didn't have the most outrageously it. impressive game. He only had 261 passing yards, one touchdown. He, I mean, I mean, listen, you can bring up all the hypotheticals about, all oh, like, at the end of the day, it's not all his fault, but the team went one for four in the red zone. That's not going to cut it. The team is seven for 19 in the red zone this season. He's going to have to be a lot better in the red zone against the 49ers if we want any chance to win that game. And, you know, at the end of the day, it does fall on the quarterback to make plays. And, and you know, not everything around him has gone perfectly. You know, like he didn't have his whole offensive line against the Cardinals. But I believe, I believe that the defense gave him plenty of chances to tie that game in that second half, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't get it done. And so I here's the thing. I like Dak a lot. I do. I do. I like him as a person. I like him as a player, but he, he has not, he has not been perfect in my eyes to start this season. And I think if the Cowboys really want to go where they need to go this season, he's going to have to play even better. Oh, but come I, on. I, come I, on. I get your point, Chris, but also like we're, we're, we're making it all about the red zone. How do they get to the red zone? Like Dak is, hey. Dak is getting into the red zone. The offense is moving. Like you, you got tight ends dropping passes in the red zone and it's happened multiple weeks. Like, you got uh, CD, like, you know, CD's been great, but that one against the Cardinals where he was only going for the pass interference, wasn't even trying for the catch. Um, I mean, you know, we can talk about the red zone offense. That's a whole other separate issue. That's, I think, everybody on the offense has culpability there, Dak included. But, I mean, with, with all the narratives that surround Dak Prescott, and especially when he throws that interception, suddenly everyone's like, oh, there's turnover-prone Dak. But, one interception, four games, and and playing against the Jets defense, playing against Patriots defense. Like I, I got to pull up since we since we already got some Stephen A. quotes. I got to pull up another one when we're talking about Dak as uh, turnover prone. Uh, what is it? We have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. This is a good quarterback, and he deserves his praise. I think Dak, great quarterback. I think he's been excellent this year. I don't think he's been the problem. Uh, so there's a lot of things going around it. But with that being said, maybe he's the biggest question that needs to be answered in the 49ers matchup. We'll wrap up this this, this discussion with this. Brandon, I'll start with you. We'll go to Hellman and with Chris. Uh, what's sort of your biggest question that you need answered as the Cowboys take on the 49ers in this Sunday night football matchup? 
We've been touching on it all show. It's the red zone, baby. We got to That red zone offense is just it's it's stalling out. As much as I love seeing a, a Brandon uh, doing a great job with the, the kicking field goals, three points versus six, you know, seven, eight, depending on if you're going to do a, a two point conversion like we did this past week. That's what you need against the 49ers team. If you're going to just get threes every time you go down, they're going to get six, six or seven every time down, and it's you, you're not going to win that way. So they, they, that needs to, that needs to change. The percentages are ridiculous. Like we we already touched on that. Like every time they get in the red zone, I feel like all right, here we go. We're going to stall at the 15 or the 10, and we're just going to kick a chip shot field goal, which I believe Brandon Aubrey's long was like 33 yards this past week. Like, which is fine because you know they're not like 60-yard field goals that he almost had, you know, before the the half, you know, the half ended. But to me, it's just it's it's the red zone. Like, if the Cowboys want to take it to the next level, they need to start cashing in on more of those opportunities. Like, yes, the defense is is elite. The special teams unit is is elite. The offense is elite from the 20 to the 20. But when you get in the red zone, you need to cash in. And when you're not cashing in, you're you're, you're kicking field goals instead of getting touchdowns. You're that's it's going to sneak up on you when you're playing a team like the 49ers, which are coming up this week. And that's and that's a that's that's going to make the difference for the Cowboys making a deep playoff run this year or getting the quick boot like they have in the last few years. They have to cash in more. I would obviously, ideally, I'd love to get them that get in the end zone every time they're in a red zone. That's not realistic. But if they can get in the end zone a higher at a higher percentage, you know, even three quarters of the time or even half the time, that's going to be the difference for them to win a lot more football games. Because when they play teams like the Niners, the Bills, which will be in December, by the way, you need to get in the end zone. Threes are not going to beat these teams, so you have to have a you have to be more proficient in there. Which I think is a schematical situation where you know I think Mike McCarthy, I think they need to need to work on their red zone package, which I feel like they will. And I do feel like we're going to cash in more touchdowns this week against a really good Niners team. And I think the Cowboys that's going to give them the best chance to victory. Yeah, you, you B1, you kind of took the uh, low-hanging fruit there. I think, you know, everyone wants to talk about the red zone offense, and and fair, you know, it, it's been pretty bad the last three games. Um, go ahead and toot my own horn. I have the McCarthy Chronicles weekly article coming out um, probably uh, sometime Tuesday, and, and really I just focused on the red zone offense and trying to figure out, like, what's been going wrong. So so look out for that on bloggingtheboys.com. But for me, what I'm, what I'm really going to look for in this game is – the, the run defense because the run defense did well against new England. Like they, they really short things up after the game against the Cardinals, but Kyle Shanahan is one of the best play designers in the NFL. He's especially good at scheming up good run plays. And one of the reasons that the Cowboys have been uh, vulnerable against run heavy teams in the past is because Dan Quinn does so many crazy things with his defensive front to, to scheme up like easy pressures and, and, you know, he has so many overloaded guys to one side, and there's these big holes for, for teams to run through. And Kyle Shanahan is just kind of like, yeah, we know you're going to give us those holes. We're just going to run through it. Like, we don't really care about, you know, having to throw the ball or anything like that. They're a really good running team. And I'm really, really curious because in last year's playoff game, I think Dan Quinn actually did a pretty good job with the run defense and the way he schemed things up a little bit differently. But then he put that on film. Kyle Shanahan has seen that, and – you know, you know they have a history from their time coaching together in Atlanta too. Like they know each other very well at this point, and it's going to be a very interesting chess match because the 49ers Christian McCaffrey has been especially good the last couple of weeks, and I really want to see how they come out and and try to stop that 
attack or at the very least slow it down because they have so many weapons you can't really shut them down but you got to slow them down enough to where the cowboys can can actually score and keep up and they don't feel like they have to constantly be running their no huddle offense so that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for big number four i'm looking for dak prescott to improve his play against the 49ers his past two games against the 49ers obviously have been those heartbreaking playoff losses and he even seems motivated by it i don't know if you guys have seen the uh, post game you know um when um john uh, or when uh, john mashota you know asked him that question and got him all hyped up and motivated listen he has he hasn't been the best he had 254 passing yards against him in the first loss and he threw for a 69.3 passer rating he threw an interception and then in that last game he threw for 206 passing yards two interceptions in the 63 rating so it's not been the best go for him i want to see him take over i want to see him look like he looked against the tampa bay buccaneers in the game before that loss i want to see him in his bag i want to see him finding the end zone i want to see i Listen, listen, I'm never going to complain about a win. I'm never, but it really has felt like the defense has kind of been the reason for these wins really in all three weeks that they have won. And I want it to be a game where I want us to win because Dak Prescott played the game of the season. I want him to be the guy who's being talked about all weekend. Like, wow, did, did, did him. You see the way he played against Fred Warner and Nick Bosa and how he made that defense look on prime time. So I want to see Dak Prescott carry that football team on Sunday and I want to see him get a win against the 49ers. So that's what I'm looking for. I think we're all alluding to uh, defense um, as being the reason to stopping the 49ers. It's something that the Cowboys have not been able to do. Uh, to me, it's stopping the big plays. And the Cowboys have been pretty good at it this year. I know they've given up a few more um, recently, especially with the, the Patriots getting that one pass to Douglas. And then also against the Cardinals, they gave up a bunch of chunk plays. But against the 49ers, Chris was talking about the two previous matchups. Of course, they're coming in the playoffs in 2021. Uh, Brandon Ayuk had five catches for 66 yards, a 13.2 uh, yards per catch average. Um, and then George Kittle in this past matchup uh, last season had five catches for 95 yards. So to me, if you stop their big playability, I think that's how you kind of stymie this offense. Um, they put a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy, I think the last time he did not look like the same player. I think they got a, a really good plan for him in the playoffs. It's just unfortunately the offense didn't kind of follow suit and kind of carry the team as well. Of course, Tony Pollard left with the injury, and it just seemed like everything started to derail from there. But it's a different Cowboys team, a lot of different playmakers on offense. And I think, like you said, Halman, they had a great game plan for Christian McCaffrey the last time. Stick to it. Stick to what you did the last time. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan will make sure he it doesn't happen again. But Dan Quinn also has to counteract that. I'm very excited for the game. It's going to be a chess match all throughout. And I think all Cowboys fans are excited to kind of get the 49ers monkey off the back. I mean, third time's the charm, right? You know, this has happened. It's the first time it's going to happen in the regular season since the 2020 season where the Cowboys really took it to the 49ers at home. Uh, you know, playing in San Francisco, I think, is nothing uh, to, to overlook. But I think the Cowboys prefer it that way to kind of take it to them on their home turf. I don't think that they want it any other way. So... Uh, for that being said, you can follow all of us on Twitter. Check out all of our work on bloggingtheboys.com. We have a lot of great content coming out, especially before the 49ers week, so make sure you follow along with that. Uh, for Brandon Clements, David Howman, and Chris Holling, I am Brandon Laurie. Thank you so much for tuning into the latest edition of the Writer's Block Podcast, and always remember, go Cowboys. 